the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, there are a lot of parts of the Word of God that are very, very famous and very memorable. John 3.16, the 23rd Psalm, Matthew 5-7, through the Sermon on the Mount. But surely, certainly one of the most famous, most well-known, certainly uh, universally beloved parts of the Word of God is in Luke chapter 2. And we might commonly call this the Christmas story. Hi, Alex McFarlane here along with Bert Harper. And you're listening to a brand new week of Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. And what Bert and I have been doing for several weeks, and occasionally with our colleague Jim Stanley, we've been going over some classic passages that relate to the coming of Christ. Matthew, Mark, and today we're going to begin a couple of days in the Gospel of Luke. Now, Bert, I've got to tell you, um, I think just so many thoughts go through our mind and our attention is just riveted when we might hear the words, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I mean, just hearing Luke 2 verse 1, doesn't that just immediately turn your your attention toward the things of Christmas. It really does. And again, uh, more so than Matthew. Matthew does a great job, and it is well written. But Luke does it so well. And you can tell uh, as you end up in chapter 2 that, and Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, Luke is telling a little bit more detail than Matthew. Why? Well, I... Yeah, women tend to, especially moms, tend to remember the details concerning things, especially dealing with their children. And and Mary is able to share this. We know this because Luke says it in chapter 1. He says that he went and asked different people concerning the things that had happened, and he was able to report it. And uh, so he was able to write an orderly account. That's the whole book of Matthew. But when it comes to the birth of Jesus, that is it. Uh, And it came to pass in those days. Now, Alex, real quickly before that, we have one thing in chapter 1 of of the angel Gabriel telling to Mary that she was going to conceive. And what a story that is when she, she says it. And uh, he says, do not be afraid, but she does say, let it be as you have said. Uh, what, what a story. What a story, brother. Well, and you know, the Christmas story in Luke really goes back to chapter 1 when we talk about Elizabeth and Zacharias and um, pretty famous person of the gospel story, John the Baptist. And Bert, you know, I collect a lot of old books and the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they'll often talk about the four evangelists. And you'll read in older commentaries, they'll say Luke the evangelist. And evangelism is telling people about Jesus. And, you know, I love this. Luke is meticulous. He was a Greek uh, Jew. Uh, They call that a a Hellenic Jew. Hellenism is things related to uh, the Greek, you know, Greece and Greek thought, academics. 
He uh, was a follower of Jesus, but he was a physician, and as such, uh, Luke and Acts are very, very strong on details. But but this goes back to Zacharias, who was going to burn incense, and I, this is just an amazing backstory, and we're talking about Jesus, of course, but the angel comes to Elizabeth, and you're going to bear a son. His name is going to be John, and you will have joy and gladness. This is uh, Luke one fourteen, And many shall rejoice in his birth. Now, so Zacharias is going in to burn incense, and he's in there a long, long time, and everybody's amazed. But what happened is um, this angel appears and tells Zacharias that you're going to be a father. And he says, well, I'm an old man, you know, how can this be? And give me a sign. And so he comes out and he's mute until John the Baptist is born. Hey, uh, by the way, in verses 18 and 19, and you and I have talked about this before, Zacharias is in there burning incense and doing uh, a priestly activity. And this would have been very significant. I mean, you know, probably waiting outside was his family, just like when if somebody gets to preach a a trial sermon, you know, people are there to encourage him. Well, he's in there a long time, and the angel appears, and Zacharias says, well, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel, verse 19 of Luke 1, says, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. Bert, am I reading too much into it in verse 19? It's almost like the angel sort of has to pull rank a little bit. Like, Zacharias, do you know who you're talking to? I am Gabriel. I have come here from God. I serve in the presence of God. I don't lie to you. But uh, you want a sign? Okay, here goes. Uh, You will not be able to speak until the day of these things shall be performed, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Uh, it, It. Somebody has got to make a movie about this someday because oh, wow. it is so powerful. It is. And and Gabriel is busy, I mean, during this period of time, talking to, to Zacharias. He will talk to Matthew. He will talk to Mary. Uh, he stays a busy angel during that time. But if you notice something, Alex, just uh, going back one more thing, uh, uh, going back just a little bit, each time he has, he says, don't be afraid. He said Mm. in verse 13, don't be afraid. When he was talking to Matthew, he says, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. And then when it comes to Luke chapter uh, 2, 1, when he's uh, talking to Mary, again in verse 30, do not be afraid. So Gabriel, I mean, to be in the presence of this angel who had come from the presence of God had to have some uh, wow factor about it. And oh, yet yeah. at the same time, Gabriel uh, talks about this because Zacharias, he just, it's not possible. What you're saying, no way. It can't happen. You don't know my uh, limitations. You don't know what all is going on. Do you not know how old I am? Uh, you know, yeah. I can just hear everything going through his mind. But Gabriel first has, do not be afraid. And uh, so, Alex, when we come to the Christmas story, including Zacharias, like you said, Elizabeth and John the Baptist, it, you know, it was a fearful time. So the angel Gabriel had to say, don't be fearful. Well, and, and, 
and and let me just say this: uh, Zacharias was, you know, in the holy of holies. He had gone in there. He was a priest, and there were different assignments for different time periods. And you know, being a priest in the work of the Lord, and he's in there to offer incense, and an angel appears. I don't know, Bert. I guess here's what I'm saying. I would think that you wouldn't be surprised in the temple, in the house of God, you get a movement from God. That that should be expected. Just like, um, do you remember back in Second Kings 22 when it was during the reign of Josiah, and they're repairing the temple and they stumble across this dusty old book, and what in the world is that? Well, we found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Now, here's here's my point. In the house of the Lord, they had lost track of the Scriptures. And in the work of the ministry, Zacharias had forgot to be expectant about the power of God. So when Gabriel shows up, I mean, you get the impression if you read Luke 1, 18 through 20, Zacharias is almost like, what in the world is this? You know, I'm going through my rituals here, and oh my goodness, a, a manifestation of God's messenger shows up. But so he's kind of surprised. Zacharias comes out. The people marvel that he was so long. Um, and when he came out, he could not speak. They perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and was speechless. So um, after, you know, Malachi was the concluding book of the Old Testament, it's been 400 years since Malachi, and suddenly, in a number of ways, God is on the move. He is on the move. And again, you're just talking about going through the routine. Uh, in your worship, private and public, be ready to have an intervention by God. Now, Amen. Alex, I, I agree with you. He, you should expect it. But probably all the other priests that had gone in the years before, I'm sure they talk about it, and it hadn't happened to any of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly. Zacharias, unexpected. I thought when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the time when Peter was held in prison and mm -hmm. prayer was made, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and here he is knocking at the door, and nobody can believe it. Now, again, they say that's a lack of faith. Well, it may be, but I'll put it this way. We should always have a little bit of awe in us when God takes time to make himself known uh, in your private, in your public worship. When God, should you expect it? Well, expect the unexpected. I'll put it that way. Don't be surprised when God intervenes as does something, and, and he does something a little bit more than was expected um, God can well, do that, and he does it here with Zacharias. He'll do it with Matthew. He'll do it with Mary. Matthew 9.29, and I, I don't want to get us off track, but Matthew 9.29 says, as your faith is, so it will be unto you. You know, And, and so uh, ask great things of God. Believe God for great things. Expect great things. I've got to say this, and I want your opinion, and again, I'm not trying to spiritualize too much, but I think it's interesting that just as as the angel told Mary, the baby you're going to carry will be of the, the Holy Ghost. The power of the highest will overshadow you, and that uh, one born of you will be called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in the third trimester, uh, Jesus is miraculously conceived, the third trimester of Elizabeth. Because remember, the angel appears to Mary, Gabriel goes, 
and appears, verse 27, to the Virgin Mary. And uh, Gabriel says, uh, Hail, thou that art highly favored. In other words, greetings. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And uh, the angel says, you're going to carry Jesus, and says that Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her. So in Elizabeth's, John the Baptist's third trimester, the third member of the Trinity moves to bring the Son of God into the world. And what you see here again is is God in the fullness of time Jesus came. Now, a lot of times we need to connect all those years, the the incarnation with the uh, the ministry of Jesus and the resurrection. And so this was the perfect timing. And again, Mary is saying, uh, how is this possible? And the answer, for with God, nothing is impossible. Verse 38, I still want to spend time here just a second. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now, Alex, that is a wordful she is not married. She is only, quote, engaged the way we would say it. And she knows what's going to be said of her. She knows what's going to be thought about her. She recognizes that this is going to be a time of difficulty for her, her for her family, because people are going to point their fingers. They're going to look at it. She doesn't know what Joseph will do. But she said, regardless of the pain, Regardless of what I may receive from this, let it be according to your word. Alex, Mm. may that be our prayer. God, have your way according to your word in our lives. This is Bert and Alex on Exploring the Word, and we'll be right back right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Allison Doon, Acting Director of the U.S. Met. Her bureau produces coinage for the United States to conduct its trade and commerce. Deuteronomy 8.18 reminds us that God gives us the tools for business. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is on this day. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Allison Doon in her role at the U.S. Mint. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. With the generous support of listeners like you, our radio ministry is in our fourth year on the air. Keep the power of prayer going and become a regular sustaining member. Details at pausetopray.org. The Bible promises believers certain kinds of authority in this life over situations and even Satan himself. But Dr. Tony Evans says that unless you're God, authority always goes two ways as we spend two minutes with Tony. When a policeman pulls you over, you probably pull over. You don't pull over just because any pedestrian tells you to pull over, but you feel an obligation to pull over if the police pull you over because you recognize he has authority. But the right that he has to pull you over is he has a legal system and a penal code over him. Why do you obey him? He's just a human being. 
you obey him and you come under him because you know there is a system over him that gives him permission to boss you around. You cannot exercise legitimate authority unless you learn to be under what God has put over you. If you are out of alignment with that which is legitimately supposed to be over you, you lose heaven's authority to be able to boss situations that's supposed to be under you. If you rebel against the authority up here, up here is not gonna help you with your situation down there. If you're tired of trying to make it on your own and you're ready to surrender your life to the loving care of God, visit TonyEvans.org today. Click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find complete information and free resources to help you. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we're looking at Luke and the Christmas story, and uh, we're in chapter one. Now, Alex, I want to ask you a trivia question, a Bible trivia question. Who was the first person filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? You know, uh, you find that in verse forty-one, John the Baptist. Well, no, look at verse forty-one, Elizabeth was filled That's true. with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 1, 40, you are right, Bert. And, you're right on that. And when you see that, I, I just, that gripped me because I want to just tell you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life brings praise. It brings recognition. And notice what she does at that point in time. And and she goes and says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That is the recognition. She understands that what is happening, just like John the Baptist 30 years from then, or some close to that, he, he would talk about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then she breaks out into praise in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. In the filling of the Holy Spirit, two of the things that accompany that is recognition, recognition of of God's movement, recognition of what God's doing in your life and helping, and then the praise that comes from it, Alex. And this is one of the magnificent, this is one of the greatest praises in all the Word of God. Well, amen. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that exciting? And it's just so beautiful here, this story. Let me let me talk a little bit about you mentioned the fact that Mary was a virgin and the Holy Spirit moves and you know she's engaged. Um, if you look in verse twenty seven, espoused to a man. Sometimes you'll see the word betrothed, 
And it's interesting, the word betrothed, we might talk about engaged, right? You know, uh, the, it's the, the closest we, thing we have to it in our recognition, yes. It, it is, it is. And it's interesting, that word, you don't hear that word too much anymore. used to be, and some of you will remember this, if you've ever seen like a wedding announcement from 30, 40 years ago, they would say um, they pledge their troth, T-R-O-T-H, and it's really an ancient word for truth. Now, um, to be in troth, a, a man and a woman, they're engaged, they're a spouse, they're betrothed to each other. It, the wording, the biblical word, it lit- literally means sanctified in truth. And the Bible says that we, we become uh, betrothed to Jesus. By the way, if it, any Californians out there, Hermosa Beach, you've heard of Hermosa, California. Well, that's the biblical word. Hermosa is the Greek word betrothed. And so Mary and Joseph were uh, united in truth. I mean, they weren't married, had not. And she says, I've never been with a man, uh, verse 34. And Gabriel says, well, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and that uh, one born of you will be the Son of God. This is exciting. And of course, you know, there's the very uh, famous verse 41, when Mary and Elizabeth meet, uh, John the Baptist leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, um, Bert, there have been millions and millions and millions of people born. It's been said no two expectant mothers in history ever had as much to talk about as Elizabeth and Mary. <laughs> Amen. And and Elizabeth praises the Lord, and it kind of bleeds over. As I said, I, I got ahead of myself with Mary doing the Magnificat, and my soul magnifies mm. the Lord. Both of them are, are here, here they are. You got to understand the age difference. We're talking about Elizabeth past the time that normally one would conceive. Yeah. Mary, very young, as young as you could think of. And here they are together, this older lady and this younger girl, and they've experienced this. And it's a message from God. One was natural conception, but miraculous. The other in a supernatural conception of the Holy Spirit. And again, as you said, Alex, they had a lot to say. Is it all right if I just read this that Mary said when she said, uh, magnify the Lord? Let me read that. Please do. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. What a praise this is. Now, Mm. Alex, I could not help, but while I was reading this, think of Mark Lowry's song he wrote, Mary, Did You Know? Oh, wow. That here is the woman who is given birth to the Savior and still needs to be saved by that Savior. That is Mary. 
And remember in that line that when you kiss your baby, you're kissing the face of God. Oh, my goodness, yeah. That, hey, go I, let ahead. me interject something. Yes. Folks, before this Christmas season uh, elapses, read the lyrics to Mary Did You Know by Mark Lowry. Just ponder those lyrics because it, it's pretty powerful, isn't it? It is. It was sung at the church where I'm, I'm interim pastor, First Baptist Church in Baldwin, Mississippi. And I, I just sat there, and it was, hey, man, it was right before I was to preach. <laughs> you don't think no. that got me ready, but think about that, Alex. Here is Mary, the handmaiden of the Lord, and she was highly favored, but she has to be saved. She oh, is yeah. saved. No matter how good you are, no matter how you were selected by God for a great task, a unbelievable ministry, they have to come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith in order to be right with God. Amen. You know, uh, in the early 90s, Angie and I were newlyweds, and I was at Liberty University, and Mark Lowry came out of Liberty. And so at Liberty University, I mean, they always sang, Mary, did you know? So yesterday I was at a church, Bert, and the praise team was up there, and they were young, probably 20-somethings, and they were doing a Christmas medley of worship, and it was phenomenal. And this young lady was introducing, and she goes, well, now we're going to do an old, old song, and this is an <laughs> old song. But I, if you don't know what the words are on the screen, now I'm thinking, okay, oh, come all ye faithful, hark the herald angels sing, an old song. She goes, it's called Mary Did You Know. <laughs> I was like, wow, I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I, I got to say something. This is amazing. The life of John the Baptist and Jesus overlap. Uh, when Jesus was conceived, John the Baptist was in utero six months, okay? Well, you know, even though Zacharias and Elizabeth were old, past childbearing years, it was a miracle, but Elizabeth conceives John the Baptist. But Mary, while she's not old, she's quite young, but her baby, Jesus, was not conceived by human means. It was of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you remember the New Covenant, the Old Covenant, they did works, but it wasn't the works that saved. It was by faith, but they did the physical works, the sacrifices, the the temple law, uh, and it showed they trusted the promise of a coming Savior. But it was by faith through works, Habakkuk 2. Whereas salvation, the new covenant, is a work of God completely by faith, no outward works. Isn't it interesting? In a way, John the ba- though their lives overlap, John the Baptist is said to be an Old Testament prophet. But he ushers in, he's the forerunner, the new covenant, and the one who would ratify and buy our salvation with his own blood, the new covenant, Jesus. John the Baptist, physically conceived and born, although it was miraculous. Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit conceived and born. And do you see how it's the transition from the old covenant into the new covenant, the Old Testament versus the, the incoming Son of God, who would ultimately be our risen Savior. Great comment, Alex. He is a transitional figure. Thank he you, is yeah. a transitional prophet. He is. 
And what, but he had a great mom and a great dad, even though Zachariah said, I, I can't believe this is going to happen. I know my body. Guess what happens? After he says his name will be, or wrote, his name will be John. Look what happened in verse 67. Elizabeth may have been the first and filled with the Spirit, but guess who the second one was? Her husband, Zacharias. Amen. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Now, what you're going to do, uh, at the anointing of the Lord is upon you. And and I, I am making a big deal out of it because I believe it is. Alex, you and I need to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. People who sing, you were talking about the singers, man, the anointing, of the unction, the Holy Spirit being filled, the Holy Spirit upon them. And, and what happens when that takes place, It you are talking about John the Baptist being transitional. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God preaching, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God singing or teaching, doing his word, you become transitional. That, uh, by the by, the means of the Holy Spirit. It's not just words, but it's the power of God unto salvation. And so here is Zacharias, and he starts out, I just want to read verse uh, 68, and you can do more than that. But blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Alex, the redemption that Jesus Christ brings is even beginning to be known at that point in time. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word. Bert and I, we've been going through classic passages about Christmas, and we're in Luke, uh, and we're going to undoubtedly have to go into tomorrow, and <laughs> later on in this week, we'll look at uh, the Gospel of John, and we're going to take phone calls here in just a few short minutes, and you might want to take this number down, toll-free nationwide, it's 888 888- Five eight nine eighty eight forty, and we'll do Bible questions live just in a moment. And we'd love for you to call in with a Bible question. But uh, this is miraculous. Zacharias filled with the Holy Spirit prophesies, and he notes that this is the fulfillment of the prophets. That uh, you know God has given a horn of salvation in the house. And by the way, the word horn it's interesting. Um, verse sixty nine. Uh, it's a uh, Hebrew and Greek word keras, K-E-R-A-S. Now, there's the horn of the altar, the corners. Um, There was the horn of David. And let me say, the word horn not only connotes forgiveness, salvation, redemption, restoration, it also connotes protection. And so the horn of salvation, uh, that thing that is our, our symbol of security and Forgiveness is is Jesus. And verse 70, Zechariah says, He spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Now, I'm gonna, I want to throw this in, and you correct me, Bert, if I'm wrong. The prophets since the world began. Well, if you go all... I understand how we could go back to Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, and I can understand we can even maybe go back to David, maybe even go back to Abraham, but all the way back to the beginning of the world, I mean, we're talking Noah and Adam. Okay, now what was promised from the beginning of the world, verses 70 through 72? What promise of a holy covenant was given all the way, goodness, all the way back to Adam? Genesis 3.15. That's right. That the seed of the woman, 
And that's that's a uh, an allusion to the one day eventual virgin birth. The not the seed of the man, but the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Alex, amen. What what a God we serve. The oath, verse 73, which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him with fear. In other words, we're delivered for purpose. You're not just delivered. You're delivered with purpose, and he gives you purpose in your life, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And, and, and you— Bert, Go ahead. Uh, more than the Philistines, the Amorites, even more than our own self and our sinful fallen nature, who is our original enemy? Oh man, Lucifer is against us all the way, isn't he? He and is. We, we are, yeah, we're even saved from Satan and his minions. Amen. Now listen to this, verse seventy-six, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways. They give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness, the shadow of death, to guide our feet on the way of peace. What a prophetic word, Alex, that Zacharias gives. He may have not have believed it at the beginning, but yeah, man, I tell you what, after it happened, he ran with it, did he not? Amen. You know, I'm so glad you said that. I was just looking at it, uh, Luke 1. Zacharias, he might have stumbled a little bit in chapter 1, uh, there, but at the end here, man, he gets his preach on, doesn't he? He does. If I can say that. He does. And note, for the re- by the remission of their sins, has your sins been remitted? Has Jesus Christ come into your life to save you? If he hasn't, invite him in. He'll save you. We're going to take these phone calls. We're ready to hear from you. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Give us a call here on Exploring the Word. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When queried by the Pharisees concerning the greatest commandment, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He then said the second greatest commandment is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't simply say you shall love your neighbor. He said Christ followers must love our neighbors as ourselves. Christian duty requires us to employ discernment 
and active empathy. We worship our Lord when we put ourselves in one another's shoes as we do life together and resolve misunderstandings. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Ephesians 3:16, Paul prays this for believers, that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. I like superhero stories, and usually the thing that saves their lives as humans also creates their superpower. For instance, the device that protects Tony Stark from dying after a huge explosion empowers his Iron Man suit. Well, the Bible says the same Holy Spirit who brings you salvation also provides his power to accomplish what God asks of you, to overcome temptation, to endure in trials, to have joy in impossible circumstances, things you don't have power on your own to do. Simply ask in prayer, and God will supply all the power you need. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so glad you're listening. Hey, we're getting a little bit closer to Christmas with every single day, aren't we, Bert? We are, and that, you and I can sing one of the most favorite time of the year. <laughs> yes. It is, and we look forward to it. We look forward to spending this week with you uh, covering Luke and some of John about the Christmas story. Yes. Well, the number is 888-589-8840. We'll do our best to answer your Bible questions. I do want to remind everybody, Bert and I have a brand new book out. Just came out, uh, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago. 100 Bible questions and answers from the first 10 years of exploring the Word. And we're just, if I can say so, we're really proud of it. And we give God the glory. But check it out. And it was published by Broad Street Publishing of Minnesota. But uh, 220 pages of questions and answers that you all helped put together, uh, your questions on exploring the Word. But, Bert, where should we go first on our call board today? Okay, let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Ken. Ken, welcome. Brother Bert, how are you today? I I am doing well, man. It, it's Monday, but I'm doing well. <laughs> well I'm going to share some joy with you. In my long-legged life, I have sung more Christmas music than most people ever get a chance to do, including Mary Did You Know, one of my favorites. But I want to share with you the joy of Mary's song, How Have You Got a Pencil? Because you're going to look this guy up. The composer's name is John Rutter, and he wrote a piece of music called The Magnificat, and it's his setting of Mary's song, and if you have ever thought like me that Mary must have been filled with joy at knowing that she was serving her God, then you need to listen to this piece of music. Find it on YouTube, John Rutter's Magnificat, and listen to the joy that he infuses into her song 
as she's the maid servant of the mighty creator. Mm. Man, Ken, thank you. And brother, uh, I've preached. I was at one church here in Tupelo. I was their pastor 28 years. And that means I did at least two, sometimes three Christmas messages each year. So I, I, I've i got close to 100 Christmas messages, Alex. And, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much here that you can't believe. But I agree with Ken. Uh, you know, there's the music. Uh, Christmas is a time for music. And I we appreciate you sharing it. Uh, Ken, are you still there? Do you spell that? R-U-T-T-E-R-S, Rudders? R-U-T-T-E-R. Okay, Sean Rudder. Okay. Rudder. I appreciate that. I'm I'm going to follow up on that, Alex. Well, yeah, I know. Cause, and I have to confess, I, I had never heard of that before the caller mentioned it just now. But thank you for sharing that. Amen. Hey, this it, it, we consider this, yes, it's a big Bible study, but we're prayer. But also, we share blessings. And thank you, Ken, for sharing that blessing. Let's go to Texas and talk to Ken. Now, this is a different Ken now, but it's Ken in Texas. Welcome, man. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, guys? Can y'all hear me? Yes, you're loud and clear. All right, cool, man. So I'm a longtime listener, a huge uh, fan of AFR radio, uh, um, you know, especially uh, Brian Fisher. Um, I've been very blessed enough to uh, do my own radio show locally in my town here, and he was a big inspiration for the blueprint of how I put my show together. So God willing, maybe one day I'll be able to uh, be colleagues with all of you guys on that network, if that be God's will. But Anyhow, um, I've been a long-time listener, and I've got this question. I know you guys got the book, but um, you guys, I was wondering about Joseph, you know, the guy kind of just, uh, Jesus' earthly father. He disappears after after that first part, basically, um, that we hear, and so I always kind of wonder what happened to him. And then a, a follow-up question, you were talking about the Holy Spirit uh, earlier and, and Elizabeth being the first one filled with it in the New Testament. And so uh, I wonder, you know, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and can one lose that? Uh, and so those are my two questions I got for you guys. Okay. Hey, Joseph, uh, he was there early on. He was there at least to his 12th birthday and some after that. He was old enough and stayed long enough to pass on his occupation to Jesus. So he was that kind of man. I Again, I admire Joseph. I asked this question yesterday. Are you the kind of man that God would choose to let his son be in the home where you were the head of that home? And uh, listen, uh, Joseph was a godly man, and we know that influence all the way through that, Alex. Well, amen. And, you know, the the caller asks a, a second question about being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is vitally important to all people. Ephesians uh, 5.18 God says that we are, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, in Acts chapter 2, Bert, when Luke was preaching, I mean, when Peter was preaching at Pentecost, Luke recorded it, but Peter preached, quote, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So um, I believe, like, Bill Bright was my evangelism professor when I was at Liberty in 1989, and he taught on how we receive the Holy Spirit uh, at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in, and that's, 
You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that, that we all believers are of one spirit. We've been made to drink of one spirit, the Holy Spirit. So, Bert, um, it, it's just part of the transaction of being born again. It's interesting. We're regenerated, made alive by the Holy Spirit. And then for the rest of our life, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, aren't we? We are. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is real for every believer. The filling of the Holy Spirit are for those that walk in Him in obedience. The Bible says in Ephesians, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, that word filled, Alex, uh, you're, you're the better Greek scholar than I am, but there in Ephesians, it's a nautical term. It's not a measurement term of filling up a glass, but it's like lifting your sails like a sailboat and you lift the sails, and the wind gets to it, guess what the term is? The wind filled the sails. And that is, and it's a word picture. When you lift your life up in surrender to him, he is able to fill you. And that's the Holy Spirit. You remember uh, on Pentecost, it came as a rushing mighty wind. And, And this is the whole idea. If you get that in your mind that I'm surrendering my life, and do it physically. I do it this way. I'm a kind of a physical kind of guy, and I hold my hands up, and I say, Lord, I surrender to you. I want you to come in. I'm lifting my life up to you. Fill me with your spirit and move me where you want to go or where you want me to go. Uh, empower me that I may do it. See, that wind directs and empowers And that's the whole feeling of the Holy Spirit. And you do it as you confess your sin and keep sin away and be surrendered to him. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit because you're already indwelled, Alex. Amen. Amen. So much more we could say on that. And we do um, unpack this a fair amount in our book on 100 Questions. But uh, great calls today. Um, Okay. You've got the computer. Where do we go Yeah, we're going to Mississippi and talk to Daniel. Daniel, welcome. Yes, sir. Can you hear me okay? I apologize. I'm kind of going down the road and it's storming here. But, well, go right um, ahead. You're clear now, so get that question <laughs> in, man. And drive carefully. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I, I sure will. What, uh, I'm, I, I'm a Christian, uh, love Jesus, but we've had a lot of uh, conversations about, you know, what what was Jesus' life like from, uh, like, in his, you know, teenage years up, up until – you know, his thirties or, you know, what was that like? Okay, Matt, what a great question. Let me, this is answered in chapter two as well, a little bit. Chapter 12 finishes off with him as a 12 year old being about his father's business Verses 51 and 52 says it well, Daniel. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. He was raised in Nazareth these 18 years He was subject to them, his parents, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Now, listen to this last line. And in favor with God and men. Alex, again, we're talking about Philippians chapter 2 where he emptied himself. Uh, It was emptied. But then Mm. as he grew, there seems to be a feeling of the knowledge of God 
in his life about what God would have him to do because he did that divinely of emptying himself. Do you catch what I'm trying to convey? You know how we mentioned that John the Baptist and the ministry of the Son of God somewhat overlapped, Old Testament transitioning into the New Covenant. Okay, uh, Luke 180 references John the Baptist, who grew, waxed, strong in the Spirit, was in the deserts until the day of his revealing. But you read Luke 2.40 and Luke 2.50 and 51, similar language, but it's about Jesus. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. The grace of God was upon him. And then in 51 and 52, uh, he they go to Nazareth. He increases in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Um, much It's always asked, you know, what about the unknown things of Jesus? His childhood, teenage, young adulthood, till he comes public at, at age 30. You know, Bert, we don't know. It doesn't tell everything about the life trajectory of the young Jesus. So it's a little dangerous to infer things where the Scripture is silent, but I think we would have known this. He grew up in a traditional two-parent family, married Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus worked in the carpenter shop. But like all pious, observant Jews, uh, the young Jesus was taught the Scriptures he learned of God, salvation, and somehow, some way, at some point, he became aware of his messianic identity, didn't he? He did. And let me say one more thing about growing up. He had brothers and sisters. That says a lot, too. He, uh, You know, he would be called 12 men to go around with him. He had already had at least four brothers uh, I got a feeling they had camped out. They had gone different places even then as young men. Joseph did a great job, I believe, with all my heart, transferring the occupation, but also manhood. He grew in favor with men, and one of those men, there's no doubt in my mind, was Joseph. And again, it is miraculous. Man, thank you, Daniel. Let's go to Texas and talk to Kathy. Kathy, welcome. Hi. Can y'all hear me? Yes, yeah. loud and clear. Welcome. Okay. I'm, I'm driving. I know I shouldn't be, but I just had a quick question. I finished reading the Bible. In, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the tribes of Israel, and it mentions Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, or however you say it. Um, but it doesn't mention the tribe of Dan. I was wondering what happened to Dan. Okay. Hey, Alex, that's a common question. They got left out. Uh, they had some issues didn't they the reason seems like yeah they did uh the tribe of dan was <laughs> essentially you might as well say punished uh and in its place was manasseh one of the tribes that came from joseph and this is in revelation chapter 7 now bert i'm gonna say this it doesn't explicitly specifically say why dan is excluded from that but i'm gonna tell you some of the histories of the tribes give us a little bit of um possibilities yeah possibility so after solomon died the israel got split into two kingdoms the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and so dan uh sort of just faded away didn't i I mean we don't read about him anytime after like joshua we don't and we wish we could give a more definitive but it would say more than than the bible says let's do at least one more call go to texas and talk is it vera Yes, I just have one comment about your your program. There ain't nothing like the Word of God 
because there ain't nothing else like it. And that's all I got to say. Bye. <laughs> Amen. 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 There are th- let, I agree with you completely. There's nothing like the Word of God. It is it is settled in heaven. It it goes forth to accomplish God's wor- work in our life. The Word of God and the work of God run parallel, do they not, Alex? And they they really do. You know, I this morning I was teaching a class and I was talking about that. How what we need today is a recommitment to the Word of God. Because, I mean, there's oratory, and people are articulate, and there's musical ability. A lot of good things in the body of Christ, but it is the Scripture that has the blessing of God and the power of God upon it. Okay, Rob and Larry, we're so close to out of time today. Uh, If you'll call back tomorrow, Rob and Larry, we'll put you at the top of the answer board and we'll try to get to you and make sure that we hear from you. But we want to take this time. Alex was talking about the book, 100. It's on Amazon. It's other places. People have come to me and said, this is where we've gotten it. As far as I know, the sales are going well. Oh, yeah. Well, we give God the glory, and maybe you want to give that to somebody here at Christmas. And I I want to say this, too, with Christmas coming. um, We've got a lot coming up in the new year, and I'm going to be at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center, July 8 through 10. We have got our Youth Worldview Camp. And, Bert, our theme for our youth camp next summer, July 17th through 22nd, Unashamed, Building a Biblical Worldview. And my camp, I lead it every summer. I, I want to teach your youth how to defend their Christian faith. If you go to the website, NC Refuge, as in North Carolina, ncrefuge.com.org, you'll find out about our worldview camp. And I'll be talking more about that as it gets closer. And some of you that would like to have Alex come, can they go to alexmcfarland.com? Oh, I wish they would. And they can find out information there. And you can find out how you can get Alex to come to your church. And I mean, he'll preach the word. He'll share with you. And you'll be blessed. Alex, looking forward to finishing Luke, or at least trying to finish Luke tomorrow in the Christmas story. We'll see, won't we? <laughs> yeah, praise God. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Keep your radio tuned to AFA, all the great programming. If you would, tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. <laughs>